welcome one and all uh, to you. Um, thank you for joining us. This is episode eight of Required Reading, a film podcast. Thank you so much for pressing play on your chosen digital device. My name is Alex. I'm very glad to receive you. And I'm joined here by the lovely Dan. Please say hello. Hi. We're um, in a new location. We are in a new location. We are broadcasting, we are recording this broadcast in the tower which is uh let's just let's leave it at that and um let's just leave it it's the tower it's the tower let's let's give it an air of mystery it is it does have an air of mystery and um we're very happy um very happy to be here um we are a film podcast with a little bit of a difference we are uh, can only be described as full spoilers we are going to be discussing this film in great detail there's a lot to unpack um please if you have not seen the film which is uh the wailing if you have not seen the wailing please stop what you're doing right now and go and watch it and then come back um because we uh really want to get into this one um <laughs> um uh, yeah but first uh how have you been dan been great alex that's thanks okay. for asking that's okay that's good um have you been have you been busy today been exceptionally busy. Okay, fantastic. hands full with my little girl. Oh yes, yes. I've had a day off to uh, take care of my daughter. Very nice, very nice. As um, and uh, taking you know very seriously, you know, making sure she doesn't you know run into the road or that kind of stuff. No, no. We spent the whole time watching the whaling, so it was oh fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did she think? She um thought it was a deeply complex allegory for um Japan and Korea's uh, political relationship. Oh wow, fantastic! Mm. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty, pretty deep. I was quite impressed. Yeah, yeah. And deep. then she wanted Hey Dougie on, <laughs> which has so many different levels. Um, <laughs> so yeah, please consider yourself fully, fully informed that we uh, that this is a spoiler um, podcast. But it's rather than thinking it it like that, I'd rather everyone thought of it more as like a kind of book club, but for films, and that. If you follow us on Twitter, uh, I am an at Alex 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 um, ALX three times without the E, or Dan, who can be found at Mister Pointy at Mister Pointyhead. You will have known a few weeks before, so if for any reason you've been recommended this by somebody or anything, try and follow us, and we engage beforehand and let you know what film. Yeah, we'll give you we'll give you a few prompts. We know how uh, Twitter can be a very um... It's transient the right word? No, it's not the right word. <laughs> um, Eph- ephemeral, in a, in a way as well. These these tweets, they, they come and yeah, they go. They do, they do. With alarming speed. Yeah. So you may miss it, so we do we do provide repeated we prompts do. for the duration. It, it feels sometimes a little bit like we do it too much, but then I look at other people's kind of pimping out and... They're relentless. Feel, I don't feel as bad. No, no. You know, and we don't time it or anything, any kind of crap like that. You always, you always feel sometimes that you're bombarding people, and I think what the the truth of the matter is, you may be bombarding a few people, but by and large, there's some people who will only be seeing one of those yeah. uh, efforts at self promotion. And um, and that kind of ties into some of the themes of this film in in a way, and with the overall themes of the podcast of that what we wanted to do with this podcast is give people the chance to um 
to take out that, oh my God, what am I going to watch on Netflix? What am I going to watch on Amazon Video? Scrolling through, taking ages to scroll through. And so we thought if there's any way that we can act as a as a barrier to that and just go, no, I want to listen to this podcast and and interact with the guys on what I thought about it. So let's watch this. And while this one is probably the hardest sell for the for the... I'd um, say so. I'd say in terms of... It's in Korean. It's it requires reading. Ha ha. It's very um, long. It's very long. Um, and but very very much worth your time. And just before we get into it, something I've been thinking about a lot about this podcast is the idea of it. It's obviously not a review kind of podcast. You're not really going to get a five star review, or you know, we have a kind you'll of get joke, thumbs a joke thumbs up or down. But we kind of will normally be doing a film that we're interested in seeing and we will be interested about it because it probably is going to be worth watching. Well, yeah, I think I think by and large we do tend to lean towards films that have some degree of critical acclaim, although often, not often, but sometimes we will dip into something that's just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. A la the Cloverfield Paradox. And yeah, Cloverfield Paradox and, and sort of Annihilation where our ones that are a little bit more zeitgeisty for yes. want of a better word. You know, just yes. because it, it helps people, you know, it's more likely that someone will have seen those films. So, we, so we're trying to strike a balance between it. Yeah. And in fact, saying it right now, what we're going to do for the next episode is I'd really like to put forward um, a couple of films um, and Dan maybe have a little think about this I haven't told you beforehand is that maybe try and do a um, a blind spot movie a movie that you really should have seen that may be really popular maybe really um, that people might be surprised that you haven't got around to seeing and and choose that as a film and we'll get people to choose and maybe suggest others okay so for me I'm going to say right now mine is is Tango and Cash I've okay. never seen Tango and Cash. Nor have I. I said, and it's a strange film because I really love both the people that are in it. And I think it's supposed to be quite a pappy film and quite, you know, like I've heard people talk fondly about it. And also I've had people really incredulous that I've never seen it. So um, I've always been told the Last Boy Scout is pretty good. It's a Shane yeah. Black film, isn't it? And yeah. I've never seen it. Oh wow! Okay, if that's what, if that, I'm not sure whether that is one on. Um, well, that's it. I'll also have to scour. Yeah, uh, Amazon and yeah, Netflix. Amazon to Netflix. See if... if the Last Boy Scout is on, which I think it might be, I'm up for doing that. I love the Last Boy Scout. Okay, so I've got okay. quite a lot up for it. Anyway, okay, I digress. I digress. Um, so the film... I thought you were going to suggest that we watch Ibiza. Ibiza, no, <laughs> no more, no more about Ibiza. We put that one to bed. Um, uh, but I do have a. a trailer for you to watch a little bit later oh. um fans of our uh, sort of uh, new segments from last week um uh, and making a return will be um dan monosyllabically <laughs> responds to quickfire news <laughs> news lines <laughs> if you did not listen to our last episode then you were not talking about but please uh, watch uh, that wow, film. was it successful enough to warrant a comeback yeah uh, yeah well, well i believe so yeah okay yeah <laughs> I believe in my head, it's it's we're successful enough. That's the arbiter um, of all this show's content. That's and, fine. That's fine. And I hope you believe so too. Um, so let's get into it. Um, this film is called The Wailing. And uh, Dan, what did you think? There wasn't a single whale in it. Rubbish. There wasn't a single whale. Not the even wailing. one whale. The Wailing. No, the, the first one I've seen on Netflix where it asks if you're still watching halfway through. <laughs> it doesn't. But it is very long. It is very long. The Wailing. Um, 
I've been looking forward to watching uh, more horror mm. on this on this show because I, I love the horror genre. Yeah, and um, I don't get a chance to watch it as much. I think our appetite for it, in terms of my household, mm. has waned slightly since having a child. I don't know what it is. Whether it's that my wife finds it a little harder to stomach now. I found that recently. If, if we've watched anything remotely mm. here, we used to watch hardcore stuff. Yeah, like Martyrs. I mean, that is a tough watch. Right. Um, but now it's it's a lot harder to sort of to, to turn around to it. So I was, I was really looking forward to the opportunity to watch, getting my teeth into, you know, a critically acclaimed horror. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, uh, was that? To get your teeth into it. To get my teeth into it. Ho, ho, yes, yes. Not, not even intentional. But there you go. <laughs> and and I, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. I mean, this is, this is really, this is art house. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is not a film that ever goes for um cheap scares. No. There's not one jump scare. No. I was kind of looking for it. Is and again, just to give you guys a little bit of context about my sort of history of horror, is that I really I love horror films, but they're not they're not the films that I would search out first. I have periods of time where I really fancy watching a horror film. And and, and incidentally, connected to being a father, my favourite time to watch horror films is in the morning because I then the ghosts and bad things won't get me if it's in the morning. <laughs> um, and as silly as that sounds, it just is. I used to really like watching horror films in the morning, and obviously now my kids are up and we can't, you know, can't sit down and watch it. Well, well funny enough, I used to be very squeamish when I was younger, mm. and I got over the fear of that because a friend of mine, this girl who used to live down the road from me, used to bring over horror films in the daytime. So right, on right. a Sunday afternoon. Mm. She'd be like, "Oh, let's watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's watch Rosemary's Baby. Um, Both incredible. Let's watch Demon Seed. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy stuff. And we were only like fourteen, <laughs> you know, fifteen years old. We were watching all this horror, but the fact that it was in the daytime made it a little more palatable. Yeah, and and there's something uh, about it. Yeah, I and mean, then my my sort of appetite for it grew, and I sort of became the lover of <laughs> horrendous the horror guy. You see, before I you also today. have a really super unreasonable thing in my head uh, that's connected to dreams. That if I watch a horror film and don't finish it, I have some kind you resolve of resolve it in your head belief that it's still out there and whatever the thing the movie is about i get quite scared during horror films i love self-imposed it self-imposed superstition yeah, yeah basically so i have to see what happens at the end and, Interesting. Um, and obviously by the end of this film it does not really properly resolve ah. the, the the what goes on so the nightmare continues the nightmare continues but first if i may um, one of my dreams of this podcast is that eventually we get so popular that I'm able to reach out to the filmmakers themselves. May never happen, dear listener, stroke reader. But I would love for people to uh, input so we have a bit of context moving into the conversation. Yes, and there is actually a quote from uh, Nao Hong Jin um, about this movie that fits pretty perfectly. So let's just pretend he sent it to us. Um, he says, "Thanks, Nao." I have no idea what kind of person you are to watch my film. Nevertheless, I tried to make a film for you. Whatever ideas come to you while you watch the film, they are yours. I want this film to be your own. On the other hand, there's one thing I wish everyone who watches this film to feel, regardless of who they are. A condolence for those who disappeared after having fallen as victims of the world, and for those that are left behind. I sincerely wish this film gives you some time for condolence. Wow. Which I thought was uh, quite a uh, 
quite prescient, quite, and I links into our podcast. So let's pretend for now that that's the, uh, it was done for this. He sent it, he submitted it specifically <laughs> for the show. Yeah, absolutely. What a wonderful quote to work yeah, from. Yeah, it, 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 very simple. It reminds me of the, um, of the Tarantino thing, you know, where, you know, the gold briefcase everyone going crazy about what's in the gold briefcase and him getting interviewed continually and asking and he just said it's whatever you want it to be is is what's in there it's it's just something very very desirable that's all you need to know not the soul of someone is gold or it doesn't matter in fact even if he had come out and said it, it would always be a disappointment. Yeah. So there are there are some ambiguities in this film. We'll get into them. Um, some sort of themes of it's left very open ended. Um, the the choices that they have to make towards the end yes. and some of those bits. It's um and it's also inconsistent in some of its delivery. Sometimes things happen and sometimes things don't happen, and you can kind of uh, you can kind of figure out. But anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. So yeah. So the, so the whaling arrives uh, as part of this new wave of up, upmarket horror, I think mm. I'll tag it as, because for a spell, uh, horror had lapsed back into endless sort of jump scare laden flicks, variants on the slasher flick, variants mm. on the ghost flick with very similar names, sinister, insidious, yeah. things like that. Spin-offs of spin-offs of spin-offs, yeah, and it just wasn't really. It wasn't really. There wasn't really anything that was really harking back to the glory days when things like you know The Exorcist and yeah, and even Texas Chainsaw Massacre and and the early works of of John Carpenter and such like were 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 really well regarded in the in the critical sector as they were among, among audiences, um, and then The Wailing is sort of alongside films like. Uh, the witch and, mm. and get out as, yeah. as films that that are that can be measured up against any other film, any other critical darling that sort of warrants it. Um, and and, it, and I'm I'm really hard to see that because it means what what that means is that is that directors are trying something new with horror and what it is to um, represent those things that mm. that scare us on a on a on a sort of a, a, a fundamental on a visceral level yeah and trying to find new ways to do that which i don't think that sort of previous wave of films were doing they were just seeking to sort of appall and give us a cheap thrill and not and not really delving into what scares us yeah that's really interesting i i think it is almost the fault of hostel in a way like when that came through and it's not it's replacing horror and the definition of horror, I definitely don't feel qualified enough to, to comment too much about horror versus chiller versus thriller versus, you know, like what would you say The Shining mm. is? The Shining is as different from Nightmare on Elm Street as possible. So it's not a, ho- it's not a horror. But I feel that that hostile and sore sort of gore, gore horror really sort of sort of set a tone for the genre that it's really only starting to pull itself out of. Yeah. Um, you know, those films didn't rely on scares, they relied on disgust. It's not it there's a there's a real difference for me. Yeah. And I like those films. I don't think there's anything wrong with those films. But it's not it doesn't make you feel in the same way. Although it's weirdly connected to say something like Friday the thirteenth or or Halloween in that it's just you know, it's something that you can't do anything about. 
hopelessness. Yes. I think that's the kind of thread. Whereas, you know, these films that are sort of feeling a little more sort of cerebral, as you say, and I think it's really interesting. And, and I was also brought to mind It Follows, the idea of yes. trying to turn the idea of something spiritual rather than it being a monster or oh, yeah. being, try, try, uh, trying to battle the intangible yeah. is, is one of the hardest it's something you can't you know let's not get bogged down with you know and we've talked about this before and uh, you know we can delve on it again i feel that one of the main problems of pop culture at the moment is that there's so much over explaining yeah like we have prequels to realize why and you know connected to star wars in that way of like is darth vader less of a well-rounded character now ironically because we've spent time with him as a young person you know it's actually taken away some of his mystique and utterly yeah and and mystique is something that you know is you can't get that back you think people think that they want explanation but actually nothing's ever as satisfying as what you've got in your head exactly exactly you know the the book you know and to return to the director's quote Mm. that's exactly what he wanted this film to be he wants this film to be whatever it is in your head and although it does get fairly literal towards the end mm. towards the very end uh where the character known only as the japanese man yes reveals his true form yeah in a sort of dragon ball style it's, yeah. i'm getting chills thinking about it now it's yeah. so good but i um, love that scene yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic yeah. and a real bit of because sometimes it is frustrating when you're left with nothing mm. And while the film still has ends on several ambiguous notes, it leaves no ambiguity with regard to the the, the true motivations yeah. and the true um, incarnation of 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 his character. Yeah, um, I've seen that aspect of it criticised uh, from a, a oh, racial wow. standpoint. Right, uh, in in that the film deals with a small town, and when things start to go awry the locals immediately blame the foreigner. Mm. They, they blame the Japanese yeah. man. And he actually, in a line, dismisses him and calls him ignorant, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. And then the end only serves to go, oh, all your fears about the strange man and ignoring him <laughs> were actually well-founded. Yeah. And yeah, he, he did a devil. Yeah. Foreigner, he did a devil. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. I'm not, not sure what the message is there. <laughs> Just because you're paranoid. Yeah. Well, um. But yes, so the, the Japanese man is is the devil, and he's played by a guy called Jun Kunimura, who whose face really rang a bell with me. And then I remembered um, he had roles in a few Takashi Miike films that I liked right. um, a lot. Well, one I liked a lot, one that I tolerated. Um, <laughs> the one I liked a lot being Audition, um, and he was also in Ichi the Killer. Of course, he's in Audition, but he's in he's in a, he's in a bunch of mm. he's in a bunch of things and. Uh, his his role in those films is very much this. This is almost a complete switch around for him. I imagine mm. if Japanese audiences watching this film will be seeing him in a very new light, especially when they see him like feasting on the innards of yeah of uh, of wild animals in the forest and chasing people in a in a nappy it's, with bloodshot eyes so craw- crawling yeah. over a rock, and you know he's got some great scenes. And what I love is a lot of those scenes are either dreams or supposed recollections of, mm. of events that happened yeah um so that keeps the audience waiting to 
find out what the actual truth is about him. Yeah. And there's a bit of misdirection right at the end, courtesy of the Shaman, who's another great character. Yeah. Um, who also turns out to be a badan. Yeah. Uh, possibly in league with the devil, and mm. uh, and 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 yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a fantastic little twist. I think, it, was, I it, was, think, it was like a double rug pull at the end, which I really Yeah, liked. it's like a bait and switch and switch. Yeah. Again, like a re-switch or something. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, in case we don't get back around to it, I think that he definitely is in league with him. And I think it's they're both wearing that like, kind of undergarment thing. I think that's kind yes, of a, that's a, a sign. connection. And also they, the yeah, photography. The photography, and they've both got the, the camera, which, again, I don't think there's any ambiguity there that it's, that it's the... Um, the trope of taking souls that like the yep. like fatal frame like yes, the computer yes, yes. games thing of like the cameras are somehow able to take a piece of your yeah, soul take a piece of your soul yeah, or something absolutely. I don't know I, yes. I kind of that was quite clear to Th- me there I was think. also another strange bit of ambiguity as well which is when the shaman's trying to leave town mm. because the mysterious girl yeah who uh, we see a few times um, basically causes him to spontaneously gush blood and vomit profusely mm. yeah yeah <laughs> um and there's a scene where once he's in his car, he's he hallucinates a sort of a, a yeah. What would you call it? A a storm of a moth storm. It was yeah. It was like it was locusts. I thought locusts or something quite physical, along wasn't his windshield it? Yeah. And gets out of the car, and I and I wasn't sure if that was actually the devil prompting him yeah. to return. With hindsight, now it must be that he needed him to come back um, to uh, yeah. to because um, obviously we thought it was. You know him yep. being um, him being compelled in some way. So we but, are we are in classic style, sort of talking about the end before we really the end before we will go back to the else start. about the film. Cool. But you've all seen it, so it doesn't matter. Let's, you know exactly uh, what we're talking let's, about. Let's zip back. Let's start with let's start with the start. Our, let's start with our um, our regular um, contributor, Chris Schilling. Thank yes. you very much, uh, Chris, uh, for contributing again. Um, so the Wailing. Maybe my favourite horror film of the last decade, wow. and definitely not, as some say, too long. Its unhurried pace allows a feeling of creeping unease to slowly percolate as the light comedic elements steadily fall away, leaving behind an atmosphere of constant swirling dread that gets a cathartic release in the extraordinary exorcism sequences, two of the most grippingly intense set pieces I've seen in years all made possible by assured direction and some incredibly committed performances. That the ending doesn't give you any easy answers just mean it buzzes around your brain all the more. I'm still thinking about it. Where, Def- where definitely I'm echoes my sentiments. Mm. Yeah, very well very well put, Chris. Um, yeah, it's interesting. That was the next point I was going to raise about the film, actually, was the, the, the tonal shift and the very gradual move towards tragedy uh, and bleakness as as it starts to close around the the lead character mm. uh jong jong gu i believe his name is yeah um a very sort of hapless i think in any other film he would be the comic relief yeah but he is and that's where the length of the movie comes in because this is a very long film, and again, we are big fans of the uh, an hour and a half film, and there is some reasons that if you're going to go that bit longer, in this case, another hour longer, there better be a reason. And effectively, it's to have a, two movies. 
first movie has these uh, supernatural elements with a comedic, you know, basically Bum- a bumbling local bumbling cops. local fat cop with, um, you know, sort of a family that's too clever for him. He's not really in control of his life. He's got the, you know, a job that he seems only slightly good at. His boss seems to hate him. <laughs> these things are happening around him, you know, and it, it, it has this comedy to it. And as Chris says, it just then completely strips the onion away past these things. And you don't care about any of these things. Like this main character of his, of his, um, his sidekick who is actually a very famous Korean actor, I believe. Right. And he apparently would be the draw more than our main. So this is the chap who, who basically finds the corner of uh, a yeah. Japanese man's room and yeah. sees the photography. Sees the photography. And, and really just... key part of it. He's dropped for almost 40 minutes and yeah. then we see him and he's infected or he's, he's possessed and he's killed his family. And that's kind of the end of it. And it's the way that we're, we're directed through this, you know, this labyrinth of of a story, and everything is stripped away, and and almost like a, you know, like panning for gold. Like we've got all of this stuff and dirt, and we just keep being shaken, and all these things keep falling away until we're just left with this pure battle of, literally battle of good and evil. These good and evil demons, mm. or however you, or however you end up sort of interpreting it. One of the things that's explained early on is why is this happening he asked why is this happening to my daughter and the explanation is she did she took the bait is is that when you when you're fishing you don't know what fish you're going to catch you just catch a fish and maybe that's the same did you remember the very first shot of the movie is the japanese man putting a worm on a hook worm on a hook like yeah very early first the first shot you see so it's like he's doing it to us like that's the thing we've, yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, we've yeah. had a big and it's what the director is doing to us and it's what the Japanese man is doing to I us I completely forgot about that it's a really big good spot old hook through us right from the start and we're going fishing and it, you're in it for two and a half hours yeah, and, yeah you know yeah, like yeah. you know get get ready you can squirm if you want but I've got you on this fucking hook and like you, you and that's it so that's what I, I kind of loved absolutely um, and while we're on the subject of his uh, daughter Hyojin mm. Uh, she puts in a really wow fantastic so, performance, like so good. phenomenal. Because the way she flits from—I mean, this is like Linda Blair style mm. transformation yeah. from and just filth. Yeah, because even Linda Blair didn't say those things. Like you know, it was done in a very cool way, cutting away from her and other people doing the voice. This girl. She spouts some obscenities yeah. in Korean. Yeah, well, that's well, that's the thing. One of the things that we brought up um, uh, in oh, a in previous a, episode yes. is how do how do people film these things with these children? How do they do? You cut away at a certain point. Do you, they only film responses? All these other kind of bits and pieces. The only thing I can think is that this was uh, like ADR or something. Like she's possibly, just opening yeah. her mouth, and somebody else is kind of screaming these things because. Man, it's blue. Some of the stuff that she's saying is some absolutely mad. We assume, and the subtitlers might have just been having a field day, <laughs> yeah, and she yeah. was just going, "Oh, you ruddy, you ruddy bugger!" But um, yeah, because she starts off as the you know quintessential super cute 
yeah. daughter. Precocious. Yeah. She sees him having an affair with the maid and just says, oh, don't worry, I won't tell. And he's like, he almost does a comic, you know, a three men and a little lady, like, oh, she's all grown up. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, really um, serving us up a real slice of a sort of cliche in that moment. Again, for it to suddenly that slice of cliche just yeah. goes mouldy and disgusting, and it actually has maggots all over it because of what happens at the end of the film. It's it's amazing, and she is incredible. I yeah, so like when she when she switches first, when she uh, goes into the sort of feverish mm. state, and then comes out of that and starts becoming this gluttonous, yeah. possessed beast, yeah, yeah. obscenity spouting beast, and then. The uh, the exorcism scene, which we've discussed, is deeply intense. I'm sure we'll go into that in a little bit more detail. But sort of her reaction to yeah. the the efforts to exorcise her mm. as well, um, and then into her final murderous, mm. stabby, yeah, stabby form, yeah. She, but playing with the idea of who is the pro- protagonist and antagonist, who is actually the baddie who is actually the goody in this like there's a there's a case to be made for so many different people the gran who encourages the shaman to come in her reliance over reliance on religious tropes and clichés is what brings it full circle yeah the family may have been identified by the demon but it's the shaman that allows it to become complete yes the shaman would never have come the dad was never going to bring a shaman in but it's the insistence of the grandmother that does it and so it's her reliance and maybe it's a you know it's a comment on you know religion and the, the fact that you know that there's, there's definitely a lot, a lot of that bubbling under it as mm. well because there's also the the mix of i guess traditional korean um, superstition mm. versus organized religion. There is like an element of uh, Christianity, and I guess the, the the hopelessness of Christianity, which in other films is seen as the the sort of be all and end all. When it when it comes in the fight between God and the devil, yeah. Um, you know, the Catholics to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ten, tends to be the uh, tends yeah. to be the message, and in this one, you you effectively you've got the the young the young deacon. Uh, yeah, he gets his face quite graphically chewed Oof. off at one point. That's that's yeah. nasty. But uh, but the the father says we we can't help here. Mm. Just flat out says yeah, we we cannot do anything yeah. here. And there's a real air of hopelessness to the way to his to his statement. There, it's like there are forces at work that are beyond our ken. Yeah. Well, f- first let's put something to bed, which is the zombie thing. Yeah, that's something that I kind of grabbed onto when I was trying to find my feet with the film. I sort of thought, oh, is this a kind of a modern take on zombies? Like they look a little bit like what we believe a zombie to be. There seems to be some kind of illness or sickness. Yes, they're biting each other. Was it being transferred that way? Nope. No. <laughs> Forget about that. Like that's that was just that was a cr- a. a crutch that I brought into the film because again I, I am a little I know did so well, I mean because yeah. I didn't I knew nothing mm. about yeah it fundamentally like when I saw that I saw the guy sat on his porch covered yeah. in the boils and yeah I I'm eyes, sure it's intentional eyes whited over yeah and you think oh well that's that's yeah. what's going on here there's some sort of virus that's going mm. on and that's ultimately what's yeah. what's causing it and and there's that ongoing thing of like what's this mushroom drink that everyone's on 
Yeah. They maintain that line throughout it yeah, as well. Yeah. It's on. I think there's a news story towards the end where they say a lot of the town yeah. appears to have been affected by this hallucinogenic mushroom drink. Yeah. Um, even that's left ambiguous yeah. as to whether that's actually something that was triggered. Yeah. By by the demonic presences within the village as well. Um, who knows? Well, there are a few ambiguities like that. Um, I've read a take on this that it is the drink that's doing it is the mushrooms that's doing that it's not the demon right the, the demon is ultimately there to collect souls and is staying in this area like any predator where they know that craziness is happening as a result of this or maybe he planted and they're, 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 they're exploiting the situation yeah, they're exploiting the situation that basically him and the shaman are in cahoots and this is a real feeding ground because this madness is happening there's also a line earlier on which in a in a Blair Witch kind of way you connect it back later on that apparently this happened to another family because they didn't listen to the shaman. It was part of this urban legend yes. going through. I don't know whether you remember. I do remember that line. I was yeah, trying to recall that bit about and the So shaman. now when you think back again, because the shaman's actually obviously in cahoots, that that's part of the part of the, the deal where it seems as though he's helping, but actually he's not. And let's get into it. The, the exorcisms that he's doing, now we know that he's obviously not doing exorcisms we can maybe posit that he's leading the way for the demon to have more access it to, would appear yeah, yeah to 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 be able to take their souls in some way or to exacerbate this insane situation or this insane madness that's being brought about by and this both and... both scenes are, are a real visual and sonic assault oh my god it's and and, and just a pounding relentless sort of Cushion, yeah. Meets there's 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 always this sort of pervading sense of danger, especially in the first instance where he starts basically beating the girl with blades with the mm. flats of blades, and yeah. you're just flinching every time that he's doing this. And you know, tradition. You want it to be over. Like, you, you want it. To what, be you over. want it. What you really want it to be. You're you know, on the girl's side. She's like, yeah. make it stop. I don't yeah. want this to be over. Yeah. Stop so it. Make please it stop. do. You know, and 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 it's playing with the you know the, the the parent in you. You know, obviously not everyone watching will be a parent, but you're obviously bringing to the table this thing of just like, oh my god, you know, he just wants to save the kid, but obviously, what's it worth? You know, this this these things are happening, but you know, she's obviously really being hurt in this instance, and it's it's so great. But is and it, it because it's like leaving her body? Yeah. Is because of that? And I don't. I think in one instance he notices her sort of arching and hears mm. the sounds and realizes it's very similar to the guy in the hospital who exactly. suffers a similar death. Exactly. Is yeah, it a yeah. bone that ruptures through yes, his neck it or is. something? Oh, that's so amazing that bit. Yeah, yeah. It's um blood it, gushing into his oxygen mask. Yeah, and, yeah. And and the idea of any any film needs uh needs an avatar needs us to you know needs us to go along on the ride with with someone and what I really loved is that is is are the parallels of we change with the character we start to lose our sense of playfulness and laughing at these jokes and everything mm. that's happening along with him and by the end of the film I, I really feel that the part on the where he's getting very close to catching the uh, the the Japanese uh, stranger yeah. uh, when they um, when he's on the rock on the inside and and obviously for for whatever reason he isn't possessed in that moment he is just trying to get away and it feels that that's a real sort of slight turning point of the movie where 
now I'm just trying to kill this person. I was trying to reason with him. I was trying to do my job. I tried to threaten him. I'm trying to get hold of the situation. And now I'm just now a murderer. <laughs> now, like, well, you know. But that was another element I was, in retrospect, I'm sort of unsure of because that image of him performing his ritual at the same time as the shaman performing the, the exorcism yeah. was having an effect on him or at least we believe it was yeah. having an effect on him because it was weakening him and almost killed him yeah. and we're led to believe that at the moment that the dad interrupts the ceremony is mm. at the point that he's about to die and because he's unable to complete the ceremony mm. he doesn't kill the devil or, yeah. or, or rid the Japanese men of the devil so I'm, I wasn't sure at that point what the what the alliance was whether the shaman is in alliance with the devil or if or if he's essentially practicing some dark art of his own mm. it completely well there seems to be some connection with the guy in the car doesn't there that comes around later that he seems to be there seems to be some transference with the with the guy that's found dead in the car oh yeah the one who because actually he puts candles in there doesn't he yes and uh, then that guy comes back to life he's obviously dead as a near invincible super as, zombie yeah, as a super zombie that gets completely um raked a in rake the head, in the head and which was so intense <laughs> like that was the part where i really really started to get into cliche i had my blanket i was i, was, I had on my and it was up by my nose and i was kind of peeking out from behind it i was like what <laughs> the hell is gonna kind of happen next that bit was incredible and then again he just sort of drops dead and no one really knows why. no no one really knows why <laughs> it was so so bizarre and strange and there's and and the film really does really does play around with that in in, in such a cool way and i often think that films that do deal with uh, with the supernatural almost have a license to play with that because there are no hard and fast rules when it comes to spiritualism and no. powers beyond our beyond our comprehension i, I don't know if, it is, if it's a cheap way out but i think it's um it's a viable way out mm. uh with these films and, and sometimes it, it just adds to the air of mystery and ambiguity because it's like we don't know these are forces beyond our comprehension yeah therefore they they move in mysterious ways yeah. and when things happen you're like why and it's like well you're not supposed to know yeah well, it's it's I'm so great that you made that connection between the witch and this really similar themes in that way of playing with the, the you know the established beliefs of the characters that are there. We as viewers are coming in and obviously thinking that this isn't it mm. obviously isn't the truth or the way of things, you know. And it's, well, one of the similarities <sighs> was the the almost that a lot of the scenes felt like vignettes. Mm. It didn't feel like there was there was a linear progression overall, but it kind of went from scene to scene, and things had jumped mm. without you seeing the intervening moments. So, despite the the, the quite glacial pace of the film, mm. it was still jumping ahead to things happening that you weren't seeing. And the witch is very much like that, where mm. things are happening, like when the boy lapses into his fever, and these moments suddenly happen, but you're ne you're not sort of watching it beat for beat. You're mm. just jumping into these little snapshots yeah. throughout and I, the, the film to me felt like that though especially in the opening as you're saying at that first yeah. half the more gentle rural shambolic cops yeah. and funny locals meets horror you know bloody horror yeah, yeah. And, and local murder well the um, narrative change the the, the the narrative and filmmaking tricks are different it does the it was a dream it was a story and that takes up almost our first like 40 minutes or something i want to say mm. like before it settles down into a like, okay, cool, f 
fuck off with that then now we're going to tell you about the story and now this and that's what becomes the last kind of hour hour and a, hour and a half or, or nearly two hours um let uh, to go to another uh, um reader listener review um from uh, matthew castle who asked us um have you watched the chaser by the same director for my money, one of the best thrillers of the last 20 years. Lots of uh, hyperbole being thrown around by Hyperbole. Uh, I know, I know what it is. I like saying hyperbole. Um, it's, um, it's better than the Super Bowl. It's better than the Super Bowl. Um, for my money, one of the best thrillers of the last 20 years. After that, I found The Wailing a tad baggy, if deliriously unhidden. Mm. Um, which, uh, yeah, I get it. I Length, length and something is, is something I'd like to, to talk. Uh, you know, length of films, haha, is uh, something I'd like to talk to you about because this film is not a passive watch. We've talked a lot about in in our uh, in our choice of setting a podcast around home video watching, Netflix watching. It does leave it does leave it open to you being able to look at your phone to maybe do something else to read a little something to have a break to do those other kind of things yes this film is some is one that really requires commands your attention not to not to break it up in two pieces not to look at your phone and i was on the cusp yesterday Mm. because i had a moment where i was i was just knackered basically and i lapsed for a moment and unfortunately i I closed my eyes pretty much at the point where the daughter stabs gets her first the girl looking after him stabs oh right right yeah oh what happened (laughs) and my wife was just like oh she just stabbed the fucking yeah how did you miss that yeah and then i was like oh and i and i and i i'd literally been asleep for 30 seconds Mm. and then i sort of emerged out of that yeah it's beyond a power nap yeah uh and then i was like wrapped again Mm. and, and just saw it through to the to the to the bitter end basically yeah it definitely i think it would be unfair to say that it 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 completely compelling for the whole time Mm. i think it does it does lag i think it's intentional in a way because you're starting to feel it's kind of relentless and you're feeling as though the, the 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 situation is hopeless in a way and he's doing the same thing quite a lot and it's and then when the shaman and the and the uh, no name uh, lady, which is I think is actually she's called the Korean for no name, like our Jane Doe or something. Oh really? Yeah. Um, when those are introduced, it really sort of helps bring context to that final section, that final sort of bit, and the decisions after you made. It's I don't know what I'm now thinking back on it. It almost feels like an adventure book of a. Uh, the, you literally have to make a choice now. What would you do? What choice would you make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I've said before on previous podcasts, um, and uh, for the new people, I'm incredibly gullible as a film watcher. <laughs> I did not know at that point which one he should do when the rooster was crowing and she was going, don't go. I've set a trap. Oh, me neither. I've set a trap for the demon. If you go, your whole family will die. And he's making these decisions and we don't know whether to trust the shaman or any of those kind of things. I was really feeling... Uh, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm totally on board. Yeah, okay, I think cool. that was very deliberate. Yeah. That, that, and that because that was it. It put you in that guy's shoes. Yeah. It's like, what would you do in the heat of mm. that moment? Yeah. And it's only because he spots his daughter's hair slide. Yeah. That he's like, oh no, you're the one that's fucking lying. And obviously the shaman who up to that point we have every reason to trust still. Apart from the the um the line before, I suppose, but you don't know that by then, do you? No. Yeah, the shaman plays it pretty straight, doesn't he? Yeah, because when he's and also 
you're maybe in, only you're, the you're in two minds when she goes, yeah. "What are you doing here?" and he starts vomiting and bleeding. Mm. You're like, yeah. "Oh, she's she's, she's a bad the one. one." Yeah, they they really keep the their cards mm. close to the chest right until the yeah. end. And so when he has to make that call, yeah, you're having to make that sort of. Mm incredibly hard hard decision yourself yeah. as well and then you're just like oh and you're fucking heartbroken yeah. when it turns out that he's, he's yeah. fucked it yeah the um the withering of the trap which he's set obviously within the hanging uh flower yes in the thing is one that he sees earlier on very early on in yeah. the first the first mm. murders because i again bringing in established movie tropes whereas I tried to get my hand hold, I thought it was going to be something like The Happening. I thought it was the... Uh, that was, was... Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. I, th- I think there are a lot of red herrings mm. thrown about in that yeah. regard. It it does also make me think sometimes that when you watch films that are so rooted in local culture, mm. if there are aspects that are completely passing us by, visual clues and yeah. and just behavioural clues and things like that, that to a Korean audience might have seemed very obvious, but yeah. to us all seem... Because all of it seems exotic and mysterious in yeah. a way, it, it, it makes it even more, uh, I guess, of a challenge to, yeah. to, to figure out what's meant to be a, a clue mm. uh, and what's just meant to completely... You know, throw us, throw us for a loop. It's it's something worth worth mentioning, and I, I'm not outside of um, the. Um, it's I asked you before the podcast, so it's internal affairs, isn't it? Or infernal infernal affairs. affairs. Sorry, I always get those ones wrong. And um, sort of uh, Oakja, uh, Handmaiden, these kind of films. I'm I don't really know very much about Korean cinema. I love how their speech sounds to my ears there's something about the very long sort of sibilance um uh, of um when they're talking very long notes of 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 dialogue so it just it really feels really sing-songy it's, to me it's, it's, it's like a less it's like a less dissonant sort of chinese mm. dialect and i'm going to show my ignorance going okay i don't know the difference yeah yeah Mandarin and because they obviously have their own two dialects as well but I find they can be quite harsh mm. sounding. Um, so it's almost that it takes the the more, the, the sort of inflection that you associate with Chinese, but with more of the refinement of, of Japanese, it seems to fall somewhere in mm. the middle of a language yeah. and that it is quite a, a pleasant sounding. Yeah. Well, it, my, um, my brother went to uh, school with a uh, Korean... Uh, uh, kid who had to go back and do his national service and we haven't seen anything of him since and oh. i've had a few like a uh, facebook messaging you know he's fine but um he um, a little boy is fine <laughs> little yeah. boy is fine make no more further communication <laughs> um he um would say and it became a thing between me and my brother is we go my which kind of means like oh fuck or like a, oh, really? know, an explanation of it, and that's sort of the part that just really sits with me, like really well. I, like I think it. the other piece of Korean that a lot of people know is Anyang. Oh right, right, because that's the name of the kid in. Um, it's not the name of the kid. It's it's. There's a Korean boy in Arrested Development, ah, but all right, he says yes, is Anyang, and, it, right, and they think yeah, that's yeah. his name, but it turns out he's just saying hello. Oh, <laughs> cool, cool. No, I do know that now. No, thinking back on it, cool. Um, fantastic. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think my experience of Korean cinema really extends way beyond Jaws. Mm. Uh, Park, Park Chan-wook I've followed for a yeah. long time since the, the Vengeance trilogy. Um, well, we went to the DVD 
Bang. We went to DVD yeah, Bang, yeah. which was a um, a recreation of tiny cinemas in Korean video shops, mm. and we watched um, another one of his films. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm a cyborg, and, that, and there's a longer title. So I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. the full title, um, which was quite mad. Yeah, really mad. Quite, quite mad. Yeah, mad. Um, Koreans love, uh, love Bong Joon Ho. Yeah, uh, watch the host. I haven't watched Okji yet, actually. So right. that's one of that's a gap. Oh, well, okay, cool. that's a gap in my um, viewing recently. But Snowpiercer, I really enjoyed. Yeah, Snowpiercer's great. Um, that's getting a TV series. Oh, really? I believe. Yeah. Cool. Um, interesting. Um, and yeah, so and the other one I really enjoyed recently, which I, I think we spoke about before that you haven't seen, is uh, Train to Busan. Ah, uh, no, I haven't. Which is a, a really a really great zombie film mm. with such a great central premise. Yeah, and it executed brilliantly. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, I, th- I think um, there there was uh, there was a spell when Japanese. Well, Korean cinema always took over from Japanese cinema as the cool, yeah, Far Eastern cinema to mm. to enjoy, and then as always, there there's that sort of waned, and mm. and then you you you're exposed to less. I think there was a, a sort of a spell when various DVD companies were popping up and just distributing films, and there's still a lot of companies like that. I believe yeah. um, Third Window Films, for example, are very big on Japanese cinema. Um, but it, it is just great when these little gems that get a lot of festival mm. plaudits come through uh, and completely live up to their yeah. to their hype no, and, and their promise and I've just I've, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed this film as you said as, as Chris said earlier it is one that lingers in the mind and as you said the most effective horrors can be those that have no easy resolutions mm. that, that plague you afterwards yeah. and I think plague is absolutely the right word yeah. to use in this film yeah. as well because it's, it's such an uneasy sad, mm. it's sad I mean fundamentally it's a very sad yeah ending as well it's a really well, so, heartbreaking so conclusion going back to my my favorite horror probably my favorite horror is invasion of the body snatchers mm, oh it's just God, a film yeah. that just the, sticks the with sutherland me. one sutherland one there is no other one um <laughs> it's it's the it's my go-to for why would you do a remake and um also why you shouldn't do a remake uh, because the films that was before and after just doesn't have something about the confluence of those actors at that time goldblum is completely magnetic of course you know it uses Leonard Nimoy in a in a great way, and our belief in him as a good guy sort of really helps the sway of it. And Donald Sutherland is also one of those things where I look back now and just think somebody that looks like Donald Sutherland would never make it as an actor yeah. now. Like, yeah, there there was weird actors, but it's all him. It's all sort of him and uh, around that time. And then obviously at the end of the film, it is not. It's not. They're not in a good place. No, it's, no, and, and that and that late 70s cinema feel where a lot of things happen don't resolve themselves you know it's basically just fucking deal with it you know these are you know well, that, and that's that's uh, that's real credit and another justification for its duration i think is that you you are emotionally invested in that character because you've you've very seen his his gradual unraveling and the unraveling of his family and because it is so light-hearted at the the start that to see his his wife and mother in law mm. murdered, to see his daughter completely gone, yeah, um, to see his entire world having fallen apart, um, really hits home. Oh God, and so much scenes. more, and it, and it's an earned and it's an earned tragedy yeah. as well. You know, to the, because at that point you're you're just willing him to make the right decision. Mm. You're willing it all to be resolved. Yeah. 
Um, you've seen his daughter go through the ringer. You've seen him go through the ringer, and you just really want it to come together. Uh, and when it doesn't, you're just like, ah, oh, damn. Yeah. It's like it breaks you like it, you know, it breaks you like it's broken him yeah. at the end where he just has no fight left in him well, anymore. They're walking around those rooms and it's, we've, we saw it earlier on in the film and for whatever reason, it's just like, they're just eviscerated. There's blood everywhere. You can't tell what's a person anymore. No. It's just a chunk of something, you know. It's, oh, it's they're always very messy yeah, killings. Really. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's always, um, it's a hard decision to make. I think it's a hard decision for any horror director or writer to make as to do you fall on the happy ending. Mm. There's a there's a few variants of the horror films. There is the ending where there is no hope. Mm. There is the ending where the hero has succeeded, followed by but aha, yeah, yeah, yeah. is it really over? Yeah. The question mark. The question mark ending, and then there's the it's all resolved. Mm. It's done. Hooray yeah. ending. Um, Get Out recently thoroughly earned its happy ending. Yeah, I think the entire audience was just like, ah, yeah. when his mate arrived at the yeah. end. Because it that, needed it. That it played it, it so yeah, beautifully. Yeah. It was the point where like, oh, he can't, it can't just be a local copper or yeah. somebody. Ah, yeah. fuck. You know, and I, I think they did really well to pull the rug out from you yeah. there on that expectation to just give you the ending that I think that film like yeah. really deserves. And it's a really beautiful moment is Alison Williams that she looks over and she just has a slight smile creeps up she plays it really well yeah, but yeah. she's great in that film yeah like she held really holds it together there's a bit where she's eat, where she's eating dry cereal and drinking milk, milk out separately of glass. it's like fuck that's great what a great idea you know weirdly because, weirdly just Basic, but very yeah, incredibly so creepy. It's just what a kind of sick fuck <laughs> eats dry cereal. <laughs> Everything else that's come before then, I've been able to kind of excuse you for. I also, but what the fuck yeah, is yeah, this? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, on the other hand, there are films I really love, like um, The Descent, mm. Neil Marshall's The Descent, yeah. which has a such spot. a such a fucking kicker of an right. ending unless you watched it in America right. in which case they substituted the ending with a happy ending really so the number of people I've spoken to who go oh The Descent man what a fucking bullshit compound yeah. ending I'm like what the fuck are you talking yeah. about and that's because they gave the Americans a copper oh, ending so make okay, sure cool. if you watch The Descent right. make sure you watch the UK version because that, that has the gut punch because it is a UK film right yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, they, um, there is also in the DVD extras there is uh, the wrong ending to get out where it is a cop right he talks to him in prison have you seen it no no okay yeah there is a whole they filmed it it's proper and the friend comes to see him in jail and is basically doing the I told you that this was a stupid idea right and it doesn't land doesn't hit it was a great decision not to do it I can see why they filmed it because that's kind of the yeah yeah, yeah. maybe test audiences or something or as a way of throwing people off or any of those kind of things but yeah you can actually see what it would have been like if they'd done a normal and it wouldn't yeah, it wouldn't not, have landed would at all landed. interesting no Oscar you, you made an Oscar decision there Jordan uh, for those who are listening, I, I just out of interest, I'd love to hear your favourite horror endings. Mm. Just, to, just uh, oh, that'd be great. Just, just to get a general vibe of like what you guys have loved over the years. Uh, the Descent is another big one for me. I love the ending of the Thing. Yeah, love the ambiguity of that end as well. Um, yeah, just I'd, I'd like to hear your your choices, your picks. Yeah, to go. Um, so, um, shall we do mid discussion quiz time? Uh, yeah. 
Shall I? Yes, let's do that, and then I'll read. Um, then, uh, we'll, then we'll do. Then we'll I'll do the, the James Butcher's review. The James Butcher's review. Okay, let's go. Let's do. Because our... uh, much like the film itself, we are wandering into an hour territory. I know, so I know, I know. Aren't we? Aren't we naughty boys? <laughs> um, right. So, mid discussion quiz time. Uh oh. Last week we had a insults. Um, we had an insult quiz, which was not your finest quiz. Definitely hour. not my forte. And during then, you said. Better at taglines. Oh, God. So, we are going to do a scary movie tagline Time quiz. Time to eat my own words. Time okay. to eat your own words. There are ten. Ah, <sighs> oh, shit. Are you ready? Yeah. I thought if you were super confident, by the way, that I would have tried to flip it and I would give you the film and see if you knew the tagline. Oh, this no, time, no, no, I'm not I'll that just, good. <laughs> I'll give you the tagline and you can, you can do the film. Okay. So, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. Oh, man. In space, no one can eat ice cream. <laughs> well, you know no one can eat ice cream. So this is, in space, no one can eat ice cream. Is it Killer Clowns from Outer Space? It is. Well done. That's, that's point. You can keep your scores, by the way, because I keep forgetting to do that. Uh, ding dong, you're dead. Ding dong, you're dead. Oh. Ah. Uh... Any clues on that no, one? No clues. But from 1986, all I do is give you the yeah. Ding dong, your, you're dead. Ding dong, you're dead. Is it something like The Postman? No, <laughs> no, no, that's no. the Kevin Costner film, isn't it? <laughs> Which probably was horrific if you had to sit through the whole thing. Ding dong, you're dead. No. It's just House, the name. Oh, House, house yeah. Called, yeah, ding Shit. dong, you're dead. Okay, that's one. Because um, I remember the sequel to that is, the sequel's tagline is Frightening Strikes Twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow, cool. That's a cool one. I should have looked that one up. Anyway, so, uh, take the stairs, take the stairs, for God's sakes, take the stairs. Oh, is that, is that, is that, um, it's not like the lift or something yeah, like yeah, that, is it? Yeah, 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 it's the lift from, uh, from 1983. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, that one. There's a poster for that in my yeah, local video it shop. Goes, it goes for ages, um, um, which I thought was really funny. God's sake. Okay, God's sake, take the, the stairs. stairs. The lift. Um, uh, the night he came home. Oh, Halloween. Yeah. Well done. Is that three? Three, yeah. Uh, Man is the warmest place to hide. The thing. Yeah, very good. Uh, you have the right to remain silent Maniac forever, <laughs> which is one of my favourite ones. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, great trilogies come in threes. Great trilogies come in threes. It's a weird one. Am I am I said to think this is some sort of comedy horror, like Scary Movie Three? It is Scary Movie Three. Well done! Holy shit! That was my uh, that was my curveball because it was a Scary Movie taglines uh, quiz. Well done. Um, here, well, am I on six? You are on six. Um, here they grow again. Troll two. No, it's, it's Gremlins two. Ah. Oh. Um, <laughs> the bad news is you have house guests. There is no good news. Which is my feeling on most house guests. <laughs> the bad news is you have house guests. There is no good news. Oh God, there's. It's got to be some form of home invasion film, but there are so many home yes. invasion films. It's from 1990. It's not like the people under the stairs, is it? No, this one's called Madhouse. No, 
Yeah, um, I, I will have heard I don't of really know any of these ones. Um, and finally, by pick, by axe, by sword, bye bye. That's a great one. It's really good, isn't it? By pick, by axe, by sword, bye bye. <laughs> it's not like neon maniacs or something, is it? It's the mutilator. From 1985, <laughs> I will admit I don't know any of those films. I just thought the tagline was cool, but that was that was good. That was strong. That was strong, better than five. Who was the? Um, there's always one we talk about at work, which I think was a fake tagline, but it was something like "Werewolves on the Moon." Right, right. And the fake tagline is tagline is "It's always full moon on the moon." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's cool. That's a good one. There's also the um, just keep telling yourself it's only a movie, movie. Yeah, it's yeah. only a movie, and keep doing it, keep doing it. Uh, that was going to go in as well, but was, te- was that Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Uh, oh God, no! I have to look it up now. Keep telling yourself it's only a movie, it's only a movie, or keep repeating to yourself it's only a movie, it's only a movie. Shall I look it up? Nah, nah. Let's carry on. Let's let's let the. Uh... Let's let it simmer. Let's let the listeners remind us, or I will simply go to Google once the show has been recorded. Yeah, and I don't know if that was so much of a mid-discussion recording because it feels like we are coming to the we end. We are of coming our... to the end. Sorry, there was normally when I do quizzes, there's normally a, something that tags us in, and really the only connection is just a scary film. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I'm so. actually quite impressed. We got, I got scary movie three on that. You I'm did a... get that. Yeah, was, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that was good. That was good. Sure. Um, but where it does relate to the film is that obviously these the cheesiness and where Korean films get a pass in this way is that there is none of that. There was no real big trailer push for it. There was no, there's no real need for a tagline. And this is where this film is almost a perfect required reading movie is that obviously we're doing this film and we've already said that you should have seen it before. But if you haven't, if you know someone that hasn't seen it, if you're listening to this and you have seen it, try and pass it along. Try and get people to say it. Maybe use this podcast as a thing and hopefully you're a fan. Yeah. Maybe use this as a way of going, look, make the decision. There's this film to watch. It's a little long. It's this. this it's, a, a it's, hard, a, it's a hard, it's a hard sell. sell. But there's this podcast after it where they kind of talk through it and maybe, you know, maybe it'll just help more people to see yeah. the movie, I think. And that's, uh, you know, hopefully... Hopefully they will. So buckle up, buckle up, get involved, and get other people involved because that will also help this podcast go out to more people. Thank you very much. Um, but importantly, it'll get more eyes on these films. I mean, as I think as we said from the outset, part of this is really to unearth hidden gems that are sort of buried beneath all the dross mm. uh, on Netflix and Amazon as well, because there are so many great picks that go on there and don't really get the recognition they deserve. And I think. Um, they're free. Well, once you pay with the subscription. But yeah. But watch them. Yeah. They're good. They are very good. So, to our next regular contributor. Oh, James Buttress. Would... Hey James. Um so he he wasn't really as effusive about it. We've 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 been on the same wavelength I think for maybe the past 3 3 films we've seen. Yeah. Uh oh. not not so on this one. Uh here we go. This is not a terrible film, but it's hugely overlong. Not helped when there are so many unanswered questions. I love the intensity of the exorcism scenes, and the little girl was staggeringly good. The photography was great, although seemed a bit try-hard. Stunning panoramas oh. injected between scenes felt like mini screensavers. In the end, not without certain merits, but it still all—but uh, it all felt like a bit of a chore. Oh, 
Well, I think maybe my wife would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but she I, wasn't so into it. My wife definitely was was not was not a fan of it of it this time. No. It was a um, it was a um, hard sell for her. She definitely phased out of being interested in it. it not. By any fault of that, my wife is a real multitasker. She does work. She does yeah, crochet. Yeah. She does these other things. And just for any kind of films where it really is, she has to be in that perfect mood. Yeah, funnily enough, there it. was a lot of phone use mm. during this as well, um, which just, just doesn't help. You've, you've, sort of, you've really got to give yourself over to this one. Yeah. And not let... Yeah. Not be distracted, not be swayed. Otherwise, you're not going to be immersed... In its world, as was you know. James looking at his phone? Was, was James he, looking at his was phone? He looking at other things? Was he being distracted by the try-hard cinematography? <laughs> I didn't think it was try-hard. I thought it was one of the one of the better-looking uh, films to have come out of Korea in that regard. And I think well, it, there were some incredible scenery scenes. Again, there was a lot of lovely golden hour stuff, really beautiful throughout. Yeah, just sort of that. For me, what that told what that told me was the idea of the idea of indifference that the world or the surrounding world will survive and it will be beautiful regardless of ugliness that's happening or what we do to each other or those other kind of things. The world will remain beautiful and will carry on being beautiful because there, there were no scenes of towns and there were no people in those scenes. It was just you know vistas but again those elements fell away the darker the film got as well yeah yeah it went away and so um, there was this there was this aspect of oh look at this rural beauty despite the village itself being fairly bleak and remote it, it gave you a very good impression of this gorgeous country surrounding and Mm. um felt felt very inviting in a way despite what was going on yeah and then, yep, like everything else, that was all stripped away. Stripped away by this absolute... Any, any, any pretense of uh, beauty and grandeur, gone. So, so just yeah, as we get to the end, let's go, let's, go back, let's go back to the end and the idea of how do, you, how do you get to do a scene like that and make it so effective? I, it hasn't left me since, since I've finished watching it that final the way it switched switched you you thought that actually he was misunderstood and that there's something's happening you then come back again then you're sure that he is bad but then for some reason it still surprises you how fucking like scary it becomes at the end yeah i will say that i anything to do with eyes always really gets me like scare even again back to the michael jackson thriller video right at the end i've always just really got me oh i was um, i was terrified of that as a kid yeah eyes couldn't eyes even look at, couldn't even look at the cover yeah yeah i used to go into wh smith's when i was young and i couldn't look at the box mm. of thriller yeah too scary because I mean, it's something I wanted to bring up with with you about like deep like deep scares about what films like really deeply scare you. Yeah, and I'm gonna now bring something up. I think I might have talked to you about it before, but I was deeply deeply affected by Ghost Watch. Oh, really? Yes. Other people that may not know what this is or not be of the age of it is that um, basically on terrestrial TV. They did a massive trick 
on the public that they made them believe that there was a sort of a seance style uh, documentary going on and they used established presenters and they used um, actors that hadn't been in anything else and basically as it goes on this poltergeist in this house takes over even comes into the studio and takes over Michael Parkinson takes over Michael Parkinson kills Gabby Roslin. It was uh, Sarah Green, wasn't it? Oh, it was sorry, like, in, me, the, yeah, in the sorry. house. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think it was loosely based on what was it? Was it called the was it the Enfield Hauntings? I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Whatever uh, mm. the Conjuring Two features. Yeah. As well, uh, very very clearly inspired by that. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and and just just that way of what 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 really got me is that my childlike trust in those presenters and the bbc and i just kind of it really got to me like that thing and and it stayed with me for a while and why it kind of reminded me in this movie is that i knew that he was a bad guy i knew it was thing and just the reveal and the way that he referred to the bible text at the start which is how can i be this thing could touch me and yeah, i'm yeah, real yeah. i'm these these things and just it made it something that at the start of the film gave me not comfort but gave me context that it's like oh cool this is going to play around with religion a little bit okay, yeah, cool. yeah yeah that gives me a seat to sit in and i'll be all right because i do get quite scared and i was quite scared by this film don't mind admitting um <laughs> But by the end, the way that it kind of was just like, nope, that all that is crap. I can still be massively <laughs> evil and still be here, yep. and still touch you and still do those kind of things. I just thought that that was the triumph of the film to have all of these things, horrific things happen. And for it not to do a question mark like we've referred to before, but to give you a just that final real gut punch for yep, you yep, and yep. just be like, nope. That's it, you know. It's like so well. Put He's together. definitively yeah. a wrongen. Yeah, definitively <laughs> a wrongen in a way that actually he's more of a wrongen than you thought that he was a wrongen. You know, and it's just really, really, really well done. Yeah, and um, yeah, I really hope everyone out there enjoyed it. Enjoyed it too. I saw I saw one review say it's for people. There's a Korean film called I Saw the Devil. Right, and someone just says if you didn't think I Saw the Devil's title was literal enough. Mm. <laughs> within the film yeah. then this film certainly yeah. uh, addresses your concerns it gets as close to him looking down the camera lens as is permissible by the narrative of the film yeah you, yeah, yeah you can't break that wall no. in this kind of thing but the camera again the direction of it is such that we are a breath away from him going i am a fucking demon you've been fooled by me the whole time yeah you've I showed you everything. I told you everything. I put a fucking worm on a hook at the start of the movie. I showed you me turning. The good demon explains it to the, your you, the char- main character, in explicit detail. You see these things happening. Is this you- a Donald Trump analogy? It's just <laughs> dawning on me. And you You've got still, someone who is like openly you- <laughs> fucking horrendous yeah. and still people are looking elsewhere yeah. for a scapegoat. He's like, I'm yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah. I'm the devil. I've got a room full of photos of dead people. And a real basic, you know, switch of, oh, it was this woman and you're... I've you got a room of full of be- goat heads. You kind of believe it and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe he's just misunderstood red-eyed demon that eat people and yeah just that that's the it's triumph a, of the film it's a donald trump film it is a donald trump film that's it we've got it so unbelievable it's it's like 
evil is staring you in the face yeah. and yet still yeah. you look elsewhere yeah. for a cause. No, it's there in your face and it's telling you it's evil. Well, that's why you're the racism... Not, you're just not listening. That's why the racism thing it helps and hinders that as well yes. because you you dismiss it because of a Korean film. It, it can't be the Japanese guy. It can't be, you know, like they can't be like that. It's like, no, we can. We've just done it. And, that, and, that, and, and that's, that, I guess that's the... That's the ambiguity. Mm. Is it is it playing up to xenophobia? Yeah. Almost using that xenophobia and your unease with having that immediate response against you to throw you off the scent, mm. as you say, because oh, it's it's way too obvious if it's the strange foreigner. Yeah. Is it? It's it's a double bluff of of sorts that that plays with your uh, I guess expectations of what's acceptable. Or the director's just a massive racist. Yeah, we massive we racist. don't know. So. Thumbs up. Yep. Double thumbs up from yep. us. That's a McCartney. Um, let's move on to our new section and talk about another racist. It turns out giving a racist their show back just enables them to be a big old racist to more people. Roseanne Barr. Roseanne Barr. The, uh, the, the show is now in limbo, cancelled, whatever. Are we surprised? I think we talked about it on a previous more, more episode. More terrifyingly, it was the biggest show in its time slot. Mm. Was I believe it was the biggest show on network TV of yeah. the time and stuff. Yeah. So it was certainly pandering to an audience. Yeah. Um, I think we can guess what audience mm. it was pandering to. Yeah. There is no two ways about what she was saying as abhorrent. No. There's there's no... Oh. No, no, no. But it was the, it was the ambient. It was the sleeping pills what did it. She's not usually racist. It was the, the ambient. Pill. The ambient yeah. did it, and they perfectly ambient the people behind that came. It's out almost with a like they response. removed the filter that usually stops you being yeah, an yeah. out and out racist, <laughs> and you and you revealed your innermost thoughts because you're a fucking horrible, yeah. horrible woman. A horror, um, horrid, horrid woman. And what disappoints me more is. Uh, with her existing track record mm. of being, you know, not just a noted Republican, but on that far end of yeah. Republicanism, um, that other that the other people involved in the show were willing to participate. I had seen after those comments that various actors from it had said they weren't going to return, but I haven't really heard anything from John Goodman or. I've I've not heard his statement on the whole no. thing. Uh, to be honest, I was just appalled that he was part Said of it. Said okay in the first place. Yeah. I'm Laurie Metcalf as well, who I think is very good. And, yeah. And, and I, we haven't got around to it. I'm kind of half saving it for an episode. It's apparently very good in um, in uh, Ladybird. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, it's very disappointing all round. And I was going to give it a try again. Even you know, I'm I'm relatively complicit, and I didn't get around to watching it. But I was going to give it a try, knowing all these things, and now... Yeah, because yeah. I used to watch Roseanne a heck of a lot. It's I, a great show. It like, was a great show. You know, she she was... Apparently, this season was good. That, that's also the, the, the irony of it. Apparently, it wasn't really... doesn't really refer to her views in a way. Apparently, it came back quite strong. There are some filler episodes, apparently. Yeah. But apparently, it was good, you know. Well, I'll never know. We will never fucking know. So, yeah. Um, get get fucked. Um, Roseanne, who's obviously listening to our podcast. Fuck you. Um, it's time for our... Um, <laughs> fuck you. Um, it's time for our return of one of our new features. Oh. Which is... Now, we're going to call Trailer Thrash... 
trailer trash yeah trash yeah trash yeah yep okay you're gonna play a bit of anthrax now uh yeah all right i will um hope you enjoy some anthrax Very anthrax. This is your drag name. That's my drag name, Samanthrax. Yes, very good. Um so this is the part of the show where I uh, will ask Dan to look at the trailer and give us his thoughts on it while we listen to Ooh. the um the uh, a little wee shop. Your first shop challenge music. was finding a trailer I, I hadn't I already did, yeah. seen. Yeah, you, you watch too many trailers. I do. So this trailer is uh, is searching. So I um let's uh, take a little break and come back after you've watched it. Okay. So we're back, and uh, Dan has watched the uh, trailer for Searching. What did you think about that? Um, I'm I'm bang up for that. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's the people that did Unfriended. Okay. So it's kind of feels like they're stepping to try and make this trope or whatever you want to call it mainstream. So bringing in bigger actors, bringing in John Cho. Bringing yeah, in yeah, yeah. Lewis, um, and so quite interesting i'm definitely up for yeah so the premise is base is that um john cho's daughter goes missing but the entire story unfolds online through youtube videos webcam chats Mm. facebook searches um it's 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 an intriguing way of doing it. it it is it is is the sort of it's the modern interpretation of the found footage yeah film Mm. just using an alternative viewpoint um to to tell a story and I, th- I think there are lots of inherent massive challenges in making those films as tense and effective as other thrillers and the, and the cinematic techniques they employ yeah um and in some cases they can be wildly successful in in some cases they can be complete misfires um judging by by the 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 plaudits that accompany that trailer including the audience award of sundance i realized yeah. watching it that i had read about it right, and right. it had it had that real um group watch mm. effect that makes certain films mm. really effective it's yeah, really yeah. good to watch these films like in a in a in a in in company and uh, unfriended is uh, is is worth a watch i've recommended it before right and uh, yeah so um worth definitely worth a watch okay yeah, really really well done searching with john cho yes that's um and uh, yeah unfriended on the radar really, officially on, on the, the radar. radar officially on the radar right um our next um our next Going straight on to our next uh, bit of news oh. is uh, Jason Momoa and uh, director have officially walked away from the Crow remake. Yes. Now, that's a bit of good news if ever I heard one. The world does not fucking need another Crow film. Kind of didn't need the first one, but we got it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, 
will obviously always be synonymous with what happened, which sort of gives it that more gravitas. But if you watched The Crow again recently, like no. in however many years, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't hold up at all. It's really. one of those premises that probably exists better as something that will forever be in limbo. Mm. Yeah. Um, Could it have maybe have been a better film? Like, I just don't think that... Brandon Lee was particularly no. There's there's something about Jason Momoa I can't get on board with, and I don't know what it really? is. There's there's desperate desperation is the word I use Ooh, with Jason Momoa. Yeah, there's a certain vibe that he's just trying so hard. Yeah, to be famous and to find that one film that's going to do it for him. And I'm sh- I'm sure he's a lovely guy. And this this feels terrible that yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. just annihilating his Lame character like him. this, but. From what I've seen from from Aquaman and, and those sort of performances, mm. I I just can't I can't get on board with him. It's like a, it's like a try hard The Rock. Like The Rock has that. Oh yeah. No, yeah. no matter how many terrible films in, he's always had the effortless charisma. Yeah. That feels earned, and I never feel with Jason Momoa that it's that it's earned. Mm. Um, it, it, there's almost an element of contrivance to the way he's doing things. Um. And yeah, I saw his statement about the crow not being made, and it was classic, just Hollywood bullshit 101. Yeah. Like, something's wrong. He was almost claiming that it would still happen with him and the guy, because the director and him yeah. walked away yeah, from both. it. Yeah. It would still happen in some form, and they would make it happen, yeah. which makes me feel... Cares. But from what I could tell, it was something to do with the estate that owns the property, and there was uh. conflicts with them. The picture that he posted actually had him in the makeup, sort of looking over the top, so you could... You could you got a vibe of right. what he was going to look like as the crow. Um, but I I don't think there's any scenario where whatever comes out of it is going to be any cop. No, frankly. no, definitely. Although um, worth note- noting that Jason Momoa is married to Lisa Bonet, who's one of my uh, earliest crushes of all time in the uh, Cosby show. And a different world. And the spin-off show. Yeah, spin-off show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right, so now time for our final news piece, our second uh, new feature, which is Dan reacts quickly to. It's not just Star Wars this time. It's uh, in fact, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, know, you know those reacts story. videos on YouTube. It's like that, but with huge amounts of indifference um, instead of feigned enthusiasm and or shock. Okay, and it's um, we've got four four bits. So get ready. Right, everybody hit me. ready. Hit okay. me with hit me with the news. Okay, let's go. Danny Boyle officially confirmed as director for the next Bond. Great. Uh, there is a Willow sequel under consideration. Fine. <laughs> James Mangold is going to direct the, the Boba Fett spin-off movie. Okay, but... Oh. Don't fuck it up. That, um, he's a, he, he, that, 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 it's a suit. It's not a character. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal is possibly going to be Mysterio in Homecoming, the Homecoming sequel. Very excited about that, as I am uh, the news that Michael Keaton's coming back in the film as well. Fantastic. Best uh, best recent Marvel Cinematic Universe villain. Oh. Uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal can also be brilliant there. For, if, he, if he plays bug-eyed crazy Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Like, um, what's it called? Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yeah. But don't yeah. play Nightcrawler. Don't play Nightcrawler. <laughs> that would be just weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings to the end our 
quick fire news round. I think that was a bit better that time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we could extend it a little bit further. Um, Maybe maybe it should just be one word answers. Right. Yeah, maybe I, I, I got a bit too animated towards the end. Did. I think or maybe like, I need to make sure that. The oh news, no, I care about that. The news is really boring. <laughs> uh, keep the boring news. Danny Boyle is director for Bond is pretty boring, and I like Danny Boyle, but well, I don't like Daniel Craig. I've grown to not massively like Daniel Craig. No, Spectre um, aside, it's been mainly not great the the bond thing is a poison chalice i think casino royale was supposed to bring with it the promise of a new bond mm. and all that's happened is it's like this is what bond was like until he gradually devolved into the arsehole you know and love him from the previous films and he, he's he's james bond as a character is is a bit like a brexiteer's wank fantasy of a person anyone yeah. who uses phrases like sjw or anything like that yeah. like james bond represents everything they're all about yeah and um there, there are still elements in the recent films where it's just like this is appalling you know borderline rapiness and yeah just, just being just, a prick just misogyny and it's the sort of thing that gq magazine like be like Bond. Yeah. You're like, no, fuck you, mate. Yeah. Like, he's he's a dinosaur. Get yeah. over it. Yeah, he's, he's it's not. It's time to move on. He's a psychopath or... first and foremost, and not a character to be hero worshipped. And I can only hope that with with the vast amount of indifference Daniel Craig displayed with the last film, mm. that between him and Danny Boyle and whoever the fuck's writing it, that they do something with it. But it it stands to reason that the Fleming estate and everyone else who has a vested interest in Bond will never do anything genuinely interesting to change that character. Well, they need to get rid of those writers, don't they? We we yeah. went to a Q and A with them for when we went to see um, the Neon Demon. Yes, and they were doing the interviewing and. It dawned on me that for some reason Bond State thought it would be good to keep on the people that wrote Quantum of Solace and keep giving them Quantum the job. Quantum of Solace. <laughs> oh man, Quantum absolutely, absolutely um, mad. Um, yes. So, um, great time. Adam and Joe sound, sound, songs though. It was great. That was the best bit about the movie. Um, uh, Before I shoot you, that was a line from it. It was. Yeah. It was. Um, right. So. <laughs> That is the end of our I want news. a quantum of solace, just a quantum. I know they do bigger bags, but I don't want them. That was a better line. <laughs> Sorry. Just, I'm going to shoot them. <laughs> no, it's before I shoot you. It's, very good. Shoot it's you, a very so, good refrain. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, I'm back in the room. Back to our end of the podcast uh, feature, where we just give a little brief recommendation of um, of movies uh, or TV shows or, or anything to watch. Yes. Um, we'd like to go first. This I'm going to cheat slightly here, oh. um, because this Cheating. is a show that is available via an on-demand video service, but it's not Netflix or Amazon. Okay. Uh, and it's because I've just been singing the praises of this everywhere else, right. and it's Cobra Kai, ah, which is course. on YouTube Red. Yeah, and as far as I can tell, there is no other reason on earth that I guess the typical person who would listen to this show would ever need to subscribe to YouTube Red. Mm-hmm. But if you do get a free month or whatever, yeah, just use it to watch Cobra Kai and then cancel it until season two comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you give a shit about Scare PewDiePie or whatever the fuck else is on there. Um, <laughs> like honestly, but I, I don't know how Cobra Kai came about. I don't know how it slipped from the grasp of of Netflix and Amazon mm. who probably could have put a bit more money behind it but I, I think it's slightly rough and ready quality really plays to its strengths yeah it, it retains the the tone and the feel of the 80s films so well where 
everything really revolves around and re- a really inconsequential karate tournament. <laughs> like, yeah. it just means nothing, like, literally nothing. And yet it's the whole world. You know, this guy, 30 years on, he's still plagued by the demons that he never won that trophy, right, right. never got never got Elizabeth's shoe and all this. Um, but that's the genius. The genius of Cobra Kai is it's from Johnny's perspective. Yeah. Since the fallout from that film, Daniel LaRusso has actually developed into a bit of a dick. Yeah. A rich dick. And there's, there's a slight role reversal element. There's a there's a great dual storyline really, which is the the modern day Daniel Larusso, a chap called Miguel, who's been trained under Johnny. So you've got this Miyagi Danny Larusso relationship, right, right. but really subverted because Johnny is is basically an alcoholic ball bag mm. um, who is still teaching sort of Cobra Kai tenants, not quite as severe as Crease because he wants mm. to get out of his shadow. Yeah, yeah, but is is. Just, just does not have the zen mindfulness that Miyagi offered. So yeah, you get yeah. this quite comic alternative karate kid, this like this crazy rough version of the Miyagi Dan relationship. And it's insane that they are the same age as Pat Morita was. Yeah. In in um in the it, film. It's it's, it's like... seriously bonkers. And you know, neither of them are particularly accomplished actors. Mm. Um, it, it, it deploys flashbacks to the original films to great effect. There's a whole Miyagi scene that almost had me in fucking tears. Um, and the, the story between the young, the young guys, like the, the, the kids of the various, of the two protagonists and these other characters is, is cheesy, but mm. really endearing. And you really give a shit about it. And it's real, like what I call page turner TV to yeah. continue our required reading analogies, page turner TV. And that as soon as an episode was done, I was like, next, next next because you just as cheesy as it was you just grew to really love everyone in the show and just wanted to see what they got up to Mm. and it was it was just like a big warm hug of a show that played the nostalgia hand i think perfectly in certain ways that other properties come back and they're so focused on oh we've got to reboot this we've got to remake this or whatever this does such a great thing of, of just continuing it and feeling and the world feeling like things have moved on in that period realistically um yeah i I, I just think it's i think it's fantastic it's 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 equally terrible and brilliant and there aren't many things you can say that about you will cringe but you won't you won't you won't stop watching compelling it's brilliant i think it also i believe because i um watched the john g Alderson um documentary the last of the underdogs with you've seen that it's pretty good um ah, about right. his uh, about the the director of the first film and the director of rocky and you know all those oh, right, okay. yeah, yeah so those it's obviously the same um and he films everything like in all of his movies when he's not filming the movie he's using he's just his, documenting, uh, documenting the whole... and just and apparently he uses some of his footage his um handheld footage in the in the show right with you so any there's any home video stuff in there of them. I'm trying to remember, actually. Apparently it uses it. I haven't seen it, so I could be talking. That's a great idea, if, if yeah. so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, uses, he uses locations. Um, That's great. The soundtrack's really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun. It's like unadulterated fun. And I can't see how well it will play to a contemporary audience, but yeah. anyone who grew up with that film and knows it as well as, as I do... Yeah. It, it's just brilliant. It's clearly been made with love. I've seen accusations that it's a cynical cash-in and things like that. But it, 
it's not it's clearly made and written by people who fucking love that film yeah. so much and it just it, it it comes through every pore of it, it awesome. it's just it's just made with a real reverence for that original film that, that's also something that i actually think is quite interesting the idea of why does everything you know these things of just like everything has to be for all ages oh but it's actually all right to have some stuff just for kids you know fuck everyone else man let's yeah. have let's have something that's just for yeah. our age group with the love karate kid that have now grown up and are now at that age yeah like, I, I can imagine nothing. when you're you know when your kids are a certain age it's the sort of thing it's quite sweary but in that way the 80s films were mm. that were supposedly for kids you remember the original karate kid was actually a 15 i believe yeah, yeah. because it was fairly violent and it was quite swearing and kids were how kids were and it, mm. and it still maintains that aspect it doesn't sugarcoat it in the way that a lot of contemporary versions of uh you know old properties tend to do as well mm. so it, it just retained everything i think that was important to it and just recognizes the the, the strengths of karate kid and and sort of ignores that a lot of the other events happened yeah subsequent to the original karate kid wisely i think um but yeah yeah and i think it plays apparently plays sorry um with the uh like that idea that actually daniel russo was maybe a bit of a prick yes it does like we like we get johnny's version of events and and it's using the clips from the film still so Mm. none of it's changed yeah yeah yeah. but it's like from a different this is how it is from my angle yeah and you go Oh, yeah, I get. I guess when you see it like that, you know, he he clearly handled it terribly. Yeah. But in his lunk-headed way, yeah, it was his way of coping with it. And I, I love the way he relates the story back, and it completely changes the the your perspective and the and the narrative of the film. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it whether it does it in particular, um, having not seen it, but in particular the uh, party where he um, douses him, yes. humiliates him at the party in front yeah. of everyone, runs away, and then um, Miss Miyagi just beats them all up. When you look at that out of kind of context, yeah. it's terrible behaviour, yeah. really, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's uh, it's quite cool. I'm looking forward to it. i can kind of been saving it, you know, for a uh, thing. And I've got to stop watching rupaul's drag race basically <laughs> long enough to watch I, something else i watched it in two sittings like yeah. properly i started watching it like 10 and i didn't go to bed until one o'clock each That's night fantastic yeah fucking great well i will um i will leave that <clears> as our <throat> only recommendation just oh really a, yeah just because all you're watching is literally rupaul's drag race all i'm watching is rupaul's drag race i i've watched a couple of episodes of lost in space which is right um very expensive um so, and um so for the record um we had a, a chat earlier on whatsapp and you asked me like what's my drag name and it, and amazingly how many i've watched 10 series of rupaul's yeah, yeah. drag race and i haven't ever really contemplated oh, wow. it okay which made me contemplate it so i'm guessing you have one uh well yeah i've been playing around with uh ruth leslie okay yeah that's my ruth uh, leslie my, uh, i like that yeah, okay that's my uh thing but i think it's actually a a, a uh, jewelry designer actually called ruth leslie i kind of I'll play with the spelling of it, like Jinx Monsoon. My, well, my first one was already taken. Yeah. Uh, which is Queef Latina. Queef Latina, right? Yeah. Really good that that was gone. Yeah. And then I, I had two options after that. One was um, Ms. Terry Blonde. Right. Like Mystery Blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Terry's like T-R-R-I, of mm. course. Uh, and then the other one was Honey Suckle. Right. Like Honey Suckle. Yeah. But Suckle, like Sucking Cock. <laughs> Thank you for taking us all the way to the end yeah. and delivering. Did you get us. it? Yeah, I do. It's pretty good. Basically, implying that I'm really good at blowjobs yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Great. Uh, which I may or may not be. You may or may not be. Who knows? Who knows? You could be fantastic at them. Um, and with that, 
Um, I think it is. That leads us right to our competition. Sucked off by no. No, no, no. Um, We, I think we're going to leave this next one a bit open. I, I am going to go with uh, uh, for the next episode. What we're going to list to you. I think we're going to bring back the choices. I would like to invite James and Chris as our main contributors to also choose um, blind spot films. Their blind spot films. Their blind spot films. Okay. Your blind spot film. Have a think about it. I will. I think your one, would, I think your original choice was pretty good. But um, yep. if it's on there, mine's going to be Tango and Cash, and we'll put it to the vote, and uh, and then that's the film that we will. Uh, Brill. All right. I will. Um. I'll, I will scour the archives of of both services and see if yeah. there's anything that uh, and see if they are, and then we'll we'll post up a uh, a poll to see and for people to uh, think. This is in particular because. Uh, we uh we would uh, like to have that bit of interaction, bit of suggestions, and uh, and involving people a little more in the show, and so hopefully you will enjoy that too. It's a good angle, I like yeah, it. Thank you very much. Um, so all that remains is to say thank you very much for listening all the way through. Um, we uh, really appreciate input. We've had some lovely feet, really lovely feedback from people um, that have enjoyed the the show, and um, it's for. It's for you guys, you know, there, as you will have noticed, there are no sponsors, there are no anything from people, there's no money behind it, I pay the money for the hosting of it, we do everything ourselves, and it's a club for for you guys, for you to get involved in, and um, and uh, I hope that you do. There's a good chance for just us two to get together and have a chin wag as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, thank you very much. My pleasure. As and, always, and um, and we'll and we'll see you next time. Bye bye now. See ya.